good evening, everyone. Turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 13. I'd like to talk about Samson tonight, and I really, really enjoy the story of Samson. Some of these judges, um, you know, like Samson and Jephthah, um, some of the others, are, they're so interesting, and there's so much we can learn from them. And he was, so Samson was born about 20, or sorry, about 65 years after Jephthah died. And the Philistines had ruled over the Israelites for 40 years. So I don't know, was it um, 25 years after? So there were several judges that happened after um, Jephthah. And then the Philistines ruled them for, for 40 years. So let's uh, pick up in Judges chapter 13, and we're going to read the whole thing. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told me his name. Neither told he me his name. But he said unto her, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. And now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child should be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us, and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of the Lord came again unto the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me that came unto me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that spakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I have said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of the thing that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I command her, commanded her, let her observe. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, thou, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. And if thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name? And when thy, <clears throat> that when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why seekest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously, and Manoah his wife looked on. For it came to pass when the flame went up towards heaven from off the altar that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. 
But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die, because we have seen God. But his wife said unto him, If the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would he have showed us all these things, nor would at this time have told us such things as these. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. So it was a miraculous birth. And there are three names, I believe, um, that are in this story. There is Manoah, Samson, and Delilah. Okay, and Manoah's name means rest. And I don't know if the names are significant or not. Um, it's just something that I found intriguing, and I'll talk about more of the, the other two names later. But Manoah's name meant rest, and the Israelites had no rest. They were being ruled by the Philistines. So uh, they, it was a miraculous birth. The angel came, and there's a panicked man being set straight by his level-headed wife. <laughs> thought that was that was interesting there's a lot of yeah a lot of interesting tidbits in this story but God began to move Samson in displays of power I believe says the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan so he started to experience this supernatural power and I want to let me back up a little bit I I thought this was interesting and I I discovered this yesterday when I was finishing up my study, and it's something that I'd like to look into a little bit more. But I'm not a, a Hebrew scholar, but this word is, is fascinating to me. He said in verse 5, he said, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And I looked up that word just kind of on a whim, that word begin. And that word begin, like we would understand, is like he would start to deliver Israel from the Philistines. But that word is actually, has a pretty broad meaning. In some places, it's translated begin or began. Let me give you some examples here. Sorry, I lost my... uh Okay, in Genesis 4, chapter 20, Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, I'm going to start halfway through. It says, then began, or that word, began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 6, verse 1, and it came to pass when men began, that word, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them. And Noah began, that word, began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. So it's translated began. But it's also translated pollute, or wound, profane, defile, and prostitute. So I wonder if there's more to this word that the angel was saying to her than what we would understand the word begin. I wonder if it was a hint or a clue as to how his life would go. And I wonder if that's maybe why Manoah and his... Well, okay, so it depends how you look at it. Do you think that... It doesn't say that Manoah's wife told him that part. 
And so did she not, was she worried about that and didn't, didn't say that to her husband? Or was that, did she say it, it's just not written, and, and that's why he was so worried about it and said, well, let's, we need him to come back and tell us how we're supposed to raise him. Um, some, some examples of how it's translated um, is a different word. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 25, And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone that thou didst not build, thou, or sorry, and if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone, for if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Polluted is the word, same word there. Exodus 31, verse 14, Ye shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is a holy, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth, there's that word, everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. Leviticus 18.21 And if thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane that word, profane, the name of the Lord thy God. For I am... Sorry, when I get all these numbers in here, it messes up my reading. But you get to the idea. I think maybe there's... And I, that's as far as I'll go with that. You can look into that a little bit more. But I wonder if, there, if they maybe knew. And I wonder if it's maybe a clue here that we'll read later in in chapter 14. So, but Samson began to, re- began to realize that he had this great power. And this, when the Spirit of the Lord was on him, there was nothing he couldn't do, pretty much. Let's go on into chapter 14. And Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her to me for wife. Get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So she was a Philistine, and and ironically, probably from the same area, from the Zorak, I think it's Zorak Valley, this is where Timnah was, where the same area that Delilah came from then, later on. So it says that it was, it was of God, that, that God, that it was of God, and basically to drive a wedge between Samson and the Philistines. And that was his calling, was to, was to destroy the Philistines, or to deliver them from the Philistines. And I wonder, I don't know, but I, I wonder if he had a hard time fulfilling his calling. Like, he's never referred to as this mighty warrior. He was, I don't know, it seems like he was more of a lover than a warrior. <clears throat> we'll keep reading in verse 5. Then went Samson down and his father and mother to Timnah, and came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. So we can see the the power of Samson here, tearing apart the lion. And a little bit about the Nazarite vow. So I don't know. I tend to think that it was okay that some people, like, so the Nazarite vows, they were not supposed to touch anything that was dead. Um, 
But that's not what the angel told them initially. He, he gave them, you know, his rules or whatever. That wasn't part of it. So I tend to lean towards the fact that that wasn't part of what Samson was. It was never referred to that that was a wrong thing for him to do here. And also when he killed the Philistines, God brought water out of the jawbone of the donkey. So I tend to lean towards that not touching a dead carcass or whatever was not not wrong. It says he didn't tell his um, father and mother, but that's more to do with the riddle that he gave that, that that's noted. So I don't believe that it was that it, he was sinning in, in doing that. And in verse 8, And after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating, and came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. But he told them not that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. He was pretty impressed by this feat that he had killed this lion. And so he, when he went back through, he's like, hey, I'm going to go see that again. And he did, and that's when he saw the honey and, and got some. But he didn't tell anyone. No one knew except him. Verse 10, so his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young men to do. And it came to pass when they saw him that they brought thirty companions to be with him. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If ye can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you thirty sheets and thirty changes of garment. But if ye cannot declare it unto me, then shall you give me thirty sheets and thirty chains of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle, that we may hear it. And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband, that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest, the, lest we burn thee and thy father's house with fire. Have ye not called us to take that we... To take that we have, is it not so? And Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou dost but hate me, and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people, and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother, and shall I tell it thee? And she wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, because she lay sore upon him, and she told the riddle to the children of her people. These companions that they had, apparently that was their part of their custom as well. So their marriage feast, and, and they brought in 30 companions to be with them. But it almost seemed like this was more of a contest. Or a, there, it wasn't a friendship thing. Like there was some competition going on, and he's, you know, hey, here's a riddle. And they accepted the challenge. They couldn't, and so they threatened his new wife. And they, or, you know, they accused her of scheming against them. So they were the ones that invited them to be the companions there at this wedding. And now when they're there, they're going to take advantage of them. And because they can't solve this riddle, they threatened they were going to burn her in her house with fire. And she obviously is uh, scared to death and desperate for her life. I guess she believed him. And so she begs him for the answer and and gets pretty desperate. Finally, Samson gives in and she tells them. 
And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down. So they waited. Again, this was probably not a good relationship that they had. They waited till the very end, right before the sun went down, right before the deal was done. They said, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, If ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. So nobody knew except for Samson and his wife. And obviously, Samson didn't tell, so he knew. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them, which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. Samson was angry, and I, I could get that. He was betrayed by the woman that he loved. And he went back home and cooled off for a while. And I think this kind of gives us a clue maybe into his character a little bit. He was sensitive. This affected him deeply. It mattered to him. At a, at a time where women were not valued, they were more of a possession, and multiple wives was common, trust mattered to Samson. And he, yeah, wanted to be able to, to have a friendship, have a trust in his wife. And he was angry, and he, he left. And it would appear that Samson didn't know that his wife was given to his friend which was, again, another betrayal. Chapter 15, verse 1. But it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid, and he said, I will go into my wife into the chamber. But her father would not suffer him to go in. So his dad, or father-in-law, wouldn't allow him. And his father said, her father said, I verily thought that thou hast utterly hated her. Therefore I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught three hundred foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and the olives. And when the Philistines said, Who hath done this? Then the Philistines said, Who hath done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. Samson decides to visit his wife and see if she would be reconciled. And it wasn't, so she was at fault, it wasn't Samson. But he took a kid along as an offer or a gift to her, and that's when he found out that she had married his friend. And this starts a chain of revenge. Samson had the strength, uh, had the authority. It would have been right for him to take her away. It was she was his wife, but he didn't do that. You know, there wouldn't have been anything her father could have done. Instead, so this was kind of an interesting thing. So he couldn't go to his to the Israelites for judgment in this because she was a Philistine. And I don't think the Philistines were going to listen to Samson like say, hey, this isn't right. You guys need to figure this out. She's my wife, and now her father gave her to my friend or whatever. I want her back. Like, what do you do? What do you do now? 
And I don't think the Philistines were going to listen to him much because he was an Israelite. And so they, he finally, I, and it, yeah, he finally did something big enough that got their attention. And they're like, hey, what is going on? We're going to set this straight. And this was, I don't believe, the, the result that Samson was after. Um, they, they came and burned the wife that he wanted with fire, and she was dead. Grief upon grief. <clears throat> so, Samson retaliates. And Samson said unto them, verse 7, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you, and after that I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt on the top of the rock, Edom. Hip and thigh means without reserve, without restraint. He just went after them and, and killed them. And then he fleed to the rock Edom, a fortress. And I imagine Samson being there alone, what may have been running through his head. The woman that I loved was not faithful to me. Now she is dead. My friend was not faithful to me. Now the Philistines are out to kill me. Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why are ye come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson are we come up, to do to him as he hath done to us. Then three thousand men of Judah went to the top of the rock Edom and said to Samson, Three thousand men went up there and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, As they did to me, so have I done to them. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee unto the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast, and deliver thee into their hand, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords, and brought him up from the rock. So not only did his friends, or did his friend reject him, and his wife reject him, now his own people wouldn't fight for him. The, his people, there was 3,000 of them that came up. They had enough to have an army, but they wouldn't fight with him. They bound him and left him for the Philistines. And imagine that. Samson was so alone. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass, and put forth his hand, and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass, I have slain a thousand men. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, and called the place... Ramoth, Ramoth Lehi. And he was sore athirst and called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? But God clave in hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came out water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof and Hakore, which is in Lehi unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. God did not abandon him. That's a neat, the neat part about this story. He was filled with power, 
Everybody else had rejected him except God. And God came. He was filled with power, and he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Imagine swinging a jawbone of a donkey with the strength to kill a man a thousand times. I would have been, I couldn't do it. It would kill me, I'm sure. But he fought, and he fought, and he won. And after he was done, he was, he was exhausted. He was so tired. And he was apparently about to die of thirst. And he said, he called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die, shall I die for thirst? He was so thirsty, and I believe it was more than that. Like, he was, he was tired, I believe, of, of fighting, of doing it all himself. He had no companion. How was he going to trust anyone anymore? He had just had an amazing victory, but was it worth anything if he was alone? But God was there again, and he worked a strange miracle. Out of the jawbone came water. And Samson drank and was satisfied. And then Samson fulfilled his calling. God was with him, and he judged Israel. So in other words, if he was a judge of Israel, the Philistines did not rule over them. For 20 years, Samson ruled Israel. And I believe up to this point that Samson pretty much did everything right. It's a little bit different than today. So back then it was an eye for an eye. So it was right for him to go and seek revenge, to do these things, to to fight the Philistines. And we're going to we're going to face some of the same things that Samson did. <clears throat> Trying times, hard things, fiery trials. Things may happen, you'll find it hard to trust people. These things affect us deeply. And when you struggle, I want you to take courage from this part of the story of Samson. God had an incredible task for him to do, and God filled him with strength to do it. And he'll do the same for you. When you're facing testing, temptation, loneliness, sorrow, God is with you, just as he was with Samson. He'll fill you with the Spirit, give you strength for testing, and even be with you when you are so thirsty, so tired of fighting. F.B. Mayer says, Samson's riddle is constantly being verified. We all have to encounter lions. Happy are we if we rend them in the power of the Holy Spirit. And have we not often discovered that the very sorrow, trial, or temptation which we dreaded most and which threatened to destroy us has yielded the strength and sweetness, the meat and honey, which have enriched us for all after time. Isn't that true? The hard things that we go through, we look back, and that sustains us in the future. So, are you fulfilling the calling that God has placed on your life to be strong in temptation, to be faithful, to love your brother, to put on the fruit of the Spirit, Suffering affects us, and Samson never remarried. I think that's interesting. These things become a part of us.
but the story doesn't end there. Let's talk about the fall of Samson. So Samson judged Israel for 20 years. He was fulfilling his calling. But like King David, like Solomon, Samson fell into immorality. And I I imagine that being judge was not easy. Not only did he have all this in the back of his mind um, of a wife that wasn't faithful, of a friend that wasn't faithful, of the people that wouldn't stand up for him and fight with him, now he has all the pressure. Like, I, I don't know if he ever, I don't know. It's just a lot of pressure. And, and the people that he was judging, by all appearances, did not want Samson to be their judge. They were happier to be under the Philistines. And Samson was like us. I think he was, he was lonely. He still carried the weight of his past. And I believe he suffered in that. And like us, he turned to something to ease the suffering in his life. Some people turn to alcohol or drugs, some to excessive eating, some to pleasure. Samson turned to prostitution or immorality. Starting there in chapter 16. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in under her. Sorry, I'm going to stop there. Um, I was going to talk about these name meanings. Samson's name means sunshine. And I believe that at the end, when, when he drank from the jawbone of the donkey, when he had fulfilled his calling, that it was a sunny day for Samson in a way. Like, yeah, I, I think that he, whenever we experience God's grace and God's strength, I think sunshine fits that. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and took them, put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of an hill that is before Hebron. And it came to pass afterward... I think I was, yeah, I was going to stop there. Samson sinned. He went to Gaza and slept with a prostitute. And God did not immediately leave him. In fact, God, again, filled him with strength that night, and he left with the gates of the city. And I imagine that this was a moment for Samson, a moment of decision. If you serve yourself, the pleasure is fleeting. He just served himself. If you serve the Lord, you will possess the gates of your enemy. <clears throat> and also notice by this time, at first it seemed like, like that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him and he would do a mighty thing. It seemed like at this point, almost Samson could just decide whenever he wanted to be strong. And he just needed to escape and pulled up the gates of the city and left. <clears throat> Verse 4, And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And this is the third name that's here. And her name means languishing. And I believe that is a good word to describe Samson at this point. 
And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green widths that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought her up seven green widths, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. I think those would have been bowstrings, I think. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber, and she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the widths as a thread of tow is broken when it toucheth the fire. So his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber. And he brake them from off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with a web, and she fastened it with the pin, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he waked out of his sleep, and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherewith thy great strength lieth. I want you to, to understand the struggle of Samson right now. He, think about his past, and how he wanted desperately a wife to love and that would love him back. And now here he is in that position of not being completely honest with his wife or his girlfriend or whatever. And I believe that Samson wanted to be. He wanted to be honest. He wanted to, to tell the truth. He wanted somebody to, to relate to. <clears throat> and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that, she had, that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. So at first, it seemed a little bit like a game to Samson. He kind of toyed with her, but it got, it got pretty stressful. And Samson finally, finally told her. And the, well, I'll keep reading. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. 
So the sin, I believe, was that he, the reason God left is because he broke the vow that, that the angel had told them. He shaved his head when the angel had said not to. And it doesn't say that he, um, that he ever drank wine or anything. It seems that up to this point, he had kept the Nazarite vow that the angel had told him to keep. And he, up to this point, and, and it's sad, like it's not even, and, and he had to have known that she was going to shave his head, I would think, but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe he thought she wouldn't, she wouldn't do that. But, and this is the way it can be, in the end, it wasn't even Samson that did it. It was the girl he liked. But God departed. <clears throat> but the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Just like Samson was put on display in righteousness, he had superhuman power, and he defeated all these enemies by himself, and he did all this great stuff, now Samson's put on display in his sin. He had unimaginable suffering because of his disobedience. And I wonder what it would be like to be blind, to not be able to see. And not, not that, but having your eyes gouged out. It's a, mag- a miracle, I guess, probably that he didn't die of um, infection. I wonder how he handled the regret. And if he struggled with being alone in his life, now he truly was alone, grinding. I wonder how long he had to grind, and I wonder why the Israelites didn't come, at least make some form of attempt to rescue him. But they didn't. Howbeit, the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. So that kind of gives you a glimpse, I think, into how long he probably ground, that his hair began to grow out again. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and this destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may make sport for us. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And it doesn't get any lower than this right here. Samson was put on display in front of all the wicked people, and he made sport for them. I don't know what that looked like, but it was probably pretty awful. He was as low as he was probably going to get. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about three thousand men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be once at once avenged of the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. 
And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein, so that the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtael in the burying place of Manoah his father, and he judged Israel twenty years. I love this part of the story. This is the most exciting part to me. Samson turned back to God. He repented. He was ready to do again what God had called him to do. And I, I love his prayer. It's simple to the point. Oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray you. Strengthen me, I pray you, just this once, one more time. Let me work with you again to do what you created me to do, that I may have vengeance for my eyes. And then it says, Samson took a hold of the pillars, one with his right hand and one with his left, and he bowed himself with all his might. And he didn't know if God was going to show up or not. <clears throat> but God, in a moment, forgave him and was there. He said, yes, Samson, I will fill you with strength, and then I'll take you home. No hesitation on God's part. No bargaining, no, just Samson, I'll take you as you are. Samson said, Lord, remember me. And God did. It's incredible. And the crazy thing is, is that in that state of Samson being blind and being as low as he could go, he had a greater victory then than he did in all his life. How is that possible? Is it possible that God can take us after all of our failures, after all of our struggles, and do something greater with us than he did before? If you think that your sin has affected your usefulness in the kingdom of God, according to this story, you're dead wrong. You can have a greater victory now than you've ever had before. <clears throat> Could Samson have been any greater than he was? Like if we think about Samson, you know, if he wouldn't have sinned and if he would have, you know, not, you know, could have judged Israel longer and, and left a greater legacy, I'm not sure. Because this is the greatest legacy that anybody can ever leave of repentance, God forgiving, and using him one last time. We are all in this position that Samson was in at one time or another. We've all sinned, and we need God's forgiveness. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We all need to see the example that Samson leaves us. And I wonder where you're at in Samson's story. Like, are you at more at the beginning where you're fulfilling God's calling on your life? Where you're following God, winning victories? It doesn't have to end up here where Samson did. But maybe you're there. Maybe you are at a low place in your life. Maybe you've had victory. You've walked with the Lord. And now you're not in a good spot. 
Maybe now you're grinding in the prison house. We're not much different than Samson. And Samson's life puts it all on display from the glory of serving the Lord and the power that comes from it to grinding in the prison house and the shame and the making sport for the Philistines. It's all on display. We're not much different than Samson, but you know what? Samson's in the faith chapter. As one of the guys that the writer of Hebrews said, there's not enough time to talk about the rest of these people that did all these mighty works. <clears throat> and I wonder if, if Samson would have lived, what story he would have told. I wonder sometimes, too, it, it would appear that this part of the story is told from an eyewitness perspective. And I'd, I'd love to know who that was. <laughs> I've got two theories. It was either the lad, because, you know, Samson had some back and forth. Maybe the lad was somebody that he worked with every day that, you know, helped him get hooked to the grinding wheel or whatever. <clears throat> and maybe Samson told him what he was going to do. Or maybe uh, my other theory is that it was maybe Samson's friend that married his wife. I, I don't know. Um, maybe he was a Philistine and maybe he was there that day. I, I don't know. But yeah, back to, back to the story that you're building in your life, your story. What does it look like? And I will tell you, without a doubt, that you're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. And if you think, it can be tempting to think, you know, Samson walked with the Lord. He had all this miraculous things, and then he got to a point where is there grace and mercy for somebody like that? It can be tempting to think that there's not. Once, once we've experienced the Lord's grace and mercy and we walk away from it, that there's just, God's probably just not going to have any more grace with us. Probably just not going to have any more, you know, God has spent so much on Samson, probably not going to fill him that last moment. God has helped us, and then we fell and we got into sin, and God's probably just done with us, Right? If your walk with the Lord contains defeat, maybe defeat like Samson's, and you're suffering terrible consequences for that sin, take courage from the story. Turn back to the Lord. He will take you back. God can still use you. He can still use you, just like he did Samson. I I love this story. It's It makes me think a little bit like um, if, if you were here Wednesday night, you heard Kevin talk a little bit about um, when, I think it was Peter and John, and Peter offered the lame man not money, but healing. And the la- it says that that man held Peter and John when, when it was, you know, he was celebrating and everybody was coming to see what was going on and it, he held on to them. And I, I would have done the same thing. Somebody that gave me my, my legs back that I can walk again, like 
got me out of prison. <laughs> and I, I, that's how I feel <clears throat> when I read a story like this. Just the amazing God that we serve. And we just, just hold on to him and never let go. That's all I have. May the Lord bless you.